Welcome to Mission Impact, the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your host and nonprofit consultant. Peter Lane is an organizational consultant with more than 20 years of experience. He is also a national board certified health and wellness coach trained at the Mayo Clinic. Peter works with individuals and teams that are committed to ongoing learning, reflection, and making positive change for themselves and their organizations. Before becoming a wellness coach and consultant, Peter worked for 18 years as director of programs at the Institute for Conservation Leadership. After working with many nonprofit leaders over the years who were experiencing the negative physical and emotional effects of burnout, he decided that focusing on wellness in the workplace is an important strategy for how he can contribute to the success of nonprofit organizations. Peter serves on the board Board of Directors of the Revy Kandal Foundation, and he received his BA degree from Clark University and a master's from the, in education from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Peter and I talk about the intersection between personal health and wellness and organizational health and wellness. He describes why it is important to create a vision for what you want in terms of health and wellness and connect that to your values and to a deeper purpose to stay motivated to make the necessary behavior changes. Why you have to realize and accept that there will be setbacks and to be ready to learn from them. Peter noted how when he was doing leadership coaching, often the topic of health and wellness became the focus of his coaching with nonprofit leaders. Leaders saw how their challenges with prioritizing personal well-being was impacting their leadership, their boards, and their staffs. So welcome, Peter. Thanks for coming on Mission Impact. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. So I just want to start out by asking you, what drew you to the work that you do? What really motivates you? And what would you describe as your why? Oh, such a great question, right? It's something that probably many of us um, ask ourselves continually or shifts at different times in our lives. But for me, I would say, you know, I've always worked in the nonprofit field. And so that's really anchored me in community-based organizations and people coming together to solve problems in their community. And I mean, more recently, I became certified as a health and wellness coach, um, partly from my experience working with nonprofit leaders and partly my own interest. And um, so for me, that's been really exciting. And part of my why is how I can bring my health and wellness background to nonprofit organizations and leaders. Um, and that's something I'm still working on and figuring out how to do and how to incorporate it into the consulting and coaching work that I do. Um, and health and wellness coaching is a new field in and of itself. So it's an exciting time to be uh, working kind of in both spaces. Yeah, and it's certainly something that's so needed in the field. And I've I've had a couple of different people on, and uh, we, we've talked about the whole problem of burnout with nonprofit leaders, and you know how hard it is to kind of, you know, you want to do uh, things around self care, but kind of maintaining those boundaries. And um, but I'm curious what, what when uh, when this episode is going to be released. It'll be just about the time of year when lots of people are kind of thinking about the end of the year, the new year, making resolutions for changes. Um, starting at the individual level, what are some things that really help individuals actually start to shift their behavior toward, towards wellness? Well, 
I mean, the really the kind of um, in some ways ironic thing, you know, when working with organizations, we try to help them create kind of a shared vision organizationally about where they want to go. In many ways, it's the same for individuals. Um, so, so people often, I mean, people do look for a health and wellness coach for a variety of reasons. And often it's something like, oh, my doctor told me I needed to lose weight. So that's kind of the presenting issue, right? Uh, but so the challenge is to really work with those individuals to get a sense of um, like, why? How will life be different? How do you want life to be? Um, and so really helping them uh, craft and think about a vision statement for their own wellness. And that's really the starting point, along with helping them do a little self-examination around their values, what's important to them, um, their strengths, you know, what are the, what are the kind of capacities that are, that are going to help them make behavior change? Um, and also thinking about when have they faced similar situations and what helped them accomplish their goals around that? Um, so there's that sort of self-learning along the way. So, and that's where we usually start is just helping people really get grounded in who they are and where they want to go. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense of just kind of stepping back and starting with that vision, which, you know, people often want to do, but without kind of some structure or process to kind of walk them through it. It's, it's kind of a thing that you might get around to doing, well, maybe sometime next week. And so, you know, committing as a coach, you're then kind of helping them take those, those steps uh, that start helping them kind of it might have already been there. It's probably kind of been there, but not necessarily really clear about what that yeah. vision is. Maybe more, I'm guessing that it's more around like all the things that you don't want. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, for some people, it really is a challenge to really kind of dig deep to, um, you know, think about how they want their health and wellness to be different beyond I want to exercise more, or I want to lose weight, or I want to have a more balanced life, or you know, whatever, whatever it is, um, and you know that. I mean, it's it's sort of buried deep, and so helping people bring that out often relates to things around their family, or how they want to age, or you know, sort of different things that they might be able to do in their life. And that can be a very um, revelatory process and, you know, really connects them to the work ahead and in, in making the behavior changes. Yeah. And you talk about those behavior changes because I feel like, you know, we've read a million magazine articles about <laughs> 10 steps to, you know, exercising more regularly or whatnot. Um, but what are those things that really, what does the evidence show in terms of what really helps people take positive action in terms of making those behavior changes that they want? Yeah. Um, well, one is what we've just been talking about is connecting to that deeper purpose and vision. Um, and then it's also related probably, you know, you and I think about the same way with organizations. It's, you know, what are the smaller steps that they can take to get there. 
and to build confidence around those steps. Um, so when I work with somebody in health and wellness coaching, um, you know, I always say, you know, there's going to be setbacks. That's actually part of the process. And um, actually setbacks are good because you can learn from them and that will help you as you continue on. So, you know, really setting realistic goals, helping people think about um, what in their environment will support them in making those behavior changes. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that are going to support people as they as they sort of go along their journey. I think kind of it, setbacks are inevitable in, in a process like that. And um, so what, what are some things that you've seen people kind of learn from that, from those setbacks? Um, you know, I think the biggest one is, I mean, I guess it's uh, like self-love, being kind to oneself. <laughs> like people beat themselves up. Right. I mean, our, we're our own harshest critic. And so um, one of the biggest lessons is, um, you know, it's okay. And um, not to go down the guilt path or the beat yourself up path. And um, so that, I mean, I, I see is really the sort of the big lesson. Um, you know, other, other things are, um, you know, people begin to really have an understanding of how the people around them and most often a partner, spouse, um, how that person's, how their interaction and their behavior together um, impacts their ability to make those behavior changes too. Um, so, you know, it's occurred to me and I've, I haven't done this yet, but I've thought about, um, you know, doing like couples health and wellness coaching because it really is kind of a family system. And, um, you know, it, it really does have an impact how, what your relationship is with the others around you. Yeah, that's so key because I think too often in, in our culture, we think about the individual and we don't think about the whole context that that individual's you know, living in. So just that, that first round of you know, who's in your immediate family, who you're living with, how is that going to impact what you're going to be able to do? I mean, even you know, as we're coming into winter, um, my husband, uh, he's gotten into biking regularly. And that's been the thing that's been the thing that he's been able to do most consistently in terms of exercise. And so with um, not going to uh, be inviting anyone for Thanksgiving or Christmas <laughs> dinner, uh, we decided, or I suggested, let's just, you know, make the table small, we'll get rid of the get rid of the uh, extra leaves that are in the table. And take half the dining room and you set up uh, your bike with a, with a trainer thing, you know, that enables you to do it inside. Um, you know, just knowing that like he had suggested, Oh, I'll do it in the basement. I was like, you're never going to go into a dreary basement in the morning when it's <laughs> right. cold, it's got to be somewhere inviting. It's got to have that context around it to make it possible to want to get up and do that. Yeah. That is actually, I mean, that's a great example, right? Like you start thinking about how can I, make changes or shift things in my environment that will actually 
help me make those behavior changes. So yeah, that's just, that's a great example of that. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is, you know, buy yet another piece of equipment that becomes a very expensive uh, clothing drying rack. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so um, it's easy for, I think, for people to kind of see how uh, health and wellness impacts or is, is relates to the individual. But why would you say you talked about it in connection with organizations and with nonprofits? Why would you say that wellness is really important uh, for organizations to think about as well? Right. So um, for a while, I was involved in um, co-leading a leadership development program that involved coaching for the participants. And um, so over the years, you know, I was talking to a lot of people and, and I would say, I mean, I, did, I should have, I mean, it's sort of anecdotal, but often the coaching, I would say at least half of the time, um, got around to things like oh, I'm, I really wanna spend more time with my family or my kids. I don't have enough time to exercise. You know, why I'm, I'm so stressed out. I'm, so it was all of these issues that were not related to necessarily managing staff or leading staff or boards or fundraising or all of those other issues. It was, I mean, it really was their personal well-being. And, um, you know, for at the time I didn't, I didn't realize there was such a thing as health and wellness coaching, but what people talked about was things that interested me and I could see how their well, personal well-being was impacting their leadership and their ability um, to do their job. Um, and so uh, that really just kind of um, struck, you know, stuck with me. Um, and when I, struck out on my own as a consultant. I, before I sort of hung out the shingle, I did a lot of um, thinking about what I really wanted to do. What were things that interested me? What were parts of my work previously that I really enjoyed and gave me satisfaction? And, um, and you know, worked with a coach. And um, so I really, I really saw this connection between work and personal life and taking care of yourself and how if you take care of yourself that um, gets sort of embedded in the organization and you know in my mind anyway if, if we have healthy individuals taking care of themselves our organizations will be healthier um, as well and so um, you know that kind of sort of led me to the to the field of health and wellness coaching and and that's um you know my interest i mean my tagline for this podcast is you know <laughs> how to be a, a nonprofit leader without being a martyr to the cause and i think you know what yeah. you're talking about is is all of that because it's so easy it's you know regardless in our western world and in, in, in the united states particularly you know the kind of glorification of overwork is yeah. so much there and then when you add in a cause that you really believe in and you know oftentimes there's always more work than there's capacity yeah. to deal with it um it, it's very easy to get pulled in and and not set those boundaries not be able to really and then what you talked about is kind of how that shows up in in terms of that impact um on the individual leader and then how that rep ripples out through the organization so when you were yeah. coaching those folks um and you were you know 
it was around their leadership, right? But and yet it was these pers- kind of quote unquote personal issues that were coming up. How did you see that impacting how they were showing up at work? I mean, I, I think it was kind of in a in a variety of ways, right? Like, so for example, for um, in leadership, uh, there's such a great degree of of like how you manage yourself and how you use yourself in different situations and the extent to which a leader can be um, conscious, intentional about how they're acting. Um, They can access more information, more of their own personal resources and, and act in a more, I think, more strategic and intentional way. And when people are stressed, um, their ability to do that um, decreases. So, um, you know, there's that part of it, just sort of how they're interacting with others. And um, I also think, I think, you know, Carol, probably in your work too, you see um, individual leaders and organizations, they really set the tone right? Regardless of who's there. I mean, it's just, you know, they really do set the tone. And so um, leaders who are modeling um, healthy behaviors that promote wellness for him or herself, that is going to also shift the organization. I think we've probably all seen leaders who are running 100 miles a minute or um, overscheduled and, um, you know, that just creates that, um, tension around for others or others who feel like they have to be running at the same pace, um, because so-and-so is. And so, um, you know, those kinds of what I think are unhealthy behaviors for individuals can, really seep into the organization. I don't know, yeah, have 100%. you experienced that at all in your in your work or any of your... All the negative consequences? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, which is why I came yeah, up with that tagline. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, too often, right? And, and, and it's, um, you know, and, and I think most of the time it's, it's very well-intentioned. Like the folk, the person is really dedicated to the cause and and they 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 want to yes. see that work, and they, you know, they there's just there's always more work than could possibly be done, and so you know, um, and and uh, kind of assuming well, this is my role as an executive director or someone higher up in the organization, you know, uh, there's kind of a tendency to kind of take on responsibility as well, you know, and yes. kind of get isolated from the or the rest of the organization, and so. It's easy. To, it's I think it's just so easy to get into those patterns and habits, and um, and it may be feel like oh this is for a little bit of I I worked at an organization where they 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 still operated under the myth that you know summers were quiet. Well, we yeah. did like half of our leadership programs during the summer, so that, that it was there was never a break, and yeah. so you know you kind of went from well we'll get to the annual conference and then it'll be quiet. And we'll get past this thing and then it'll be yeah. quiet. And you just, you know, it never it's always ends. the next thing. There's always the next thing. So, so yeah, I'm wondering if, if, you know, with organizations that are like, okay, we're tired of this. We know we're burning people out. We're knowing we're losing people because of it. 
Um, you know, what are some things that an organization can start to do to kind of incorporate more of a wellness perspective into their work? Yeah. I mean, I think there's kind of, um, uh, I think about two, um, two strategies, I guess, about, on how they can incorporate health and wellness into their organization. One is just um, around policies and procedures, you know, kind of the, the nuts and bolts of what they offer um, uh, employees. So, and a lot of organizations to some extent do that. So, and it might look different for different organizations. Um, you know, flexibility around work schedules or um, um, providing a meditation room or setting aside time during the week when um, staff have a chance to, uh, you know, almost like professional development, like set aside time for an hour to read a book that you wouldn't normally have a chance to read. Um, purchasing healthy snacks and water. Um, I mean, those, those kinds of things. Um, I'm also, I've been talking with other coaches about organizations that are, and this tends to be larger for-profit organizations where employee assistant programs, a health and wellness coach is available to the organization. I don't, you don't see that really in the nonprofit world, but um, that's one thing that I would love to see may make that available to more uh, nonprofit organizations. And then the other, the other area that I think about is almost like organizational culture. And, you know, that is, a, you know, the policies, procedures, the, you know, nuts and boltsy things are a little easier to, to implement um, where organizational culture and shifting that uh, is probably more long-term um, and takes, um, you know, a different kind of intention. And um, I, as part of that, I think about organizations that um, somehow build that into their strategic plan or their vision of how they are as an organization. Um, and then, you know, once you do that, I think you can begin to um, think about what are the, the practices that are going to support wellness in the workplace um, and help us move along that path to create um, the org an organization that's going to sustain individuals in a, in, a, in a healthy way. Yeah, it's interesting what you talk about in terms of kind of steps that they, an organization can take that um, are those more nuts and boltsy thing, but but even then, when they when they do that, I worked in a larger organization that you know had some you know had some uh, resources, and so they they ended up um, setting aside one room, um, a small what had been a small conference room, and and made it a nap room. Yeah. But the culture did not support anyone taking a nap during the day. Right. Yes. I mean, the, I, I'll have to admit that I, <laughs> I, I would sneak down, look around, trying to make sure that no one would see me. Like I hadn't slept the night before, yes. so I really was falling asleep at my desk. So I wasn't, it wasn't like I was getting anything done or being productive anyway. But I remember just feeling like, okay, I got to make sure no one sees me as I sneak right. into the nap room. Yeah. 
Um, and that's a, that's a question of culture, right? Like yeah. people don't feel comfortable doing that. Right, right. So it, you know, it's kind of a both and. I think that the, the thing that they did that was more successful and, um, and actually was, was interesting because we, it, it went beyond uh, just that one organization. They partnered, there were a number of different nonprofits in the same building. And obviously that was when we were all not working from home. Um, but they partnered and uh, all the different organizations hired a, a yoga teacher to come and offer a class once a week. And um, it had great response. And we actually, it was great because we actually met uh, people from other organizations and there were oh, probably nice. some other ripples of like, you know, meeting these other people who were in the building who did similar work that you might not have met otherwise through the yoga class. So um, that one I think worked a lot better than the than the nap room. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting at the beginning of the pandemic, I had requests to do, um, which essentially were 30 minute self-care sessions virtually, um, which were a great way to bring people together um, you know, and for, for staff of one organization, um, you know, it, it was an opportunity to come together in a way that wasn't like trying to figure things out or working and, you know, all of that kind of craziness that was going on. Um, but interesting enough, you know, now that we're seven, eight, nine months later, um, you know, people aren't doing that as much. It's like, oh, okay, we've sort of moved past the, the self-care phase. And, um, yeah, out of the crisis where we felt yeah. like we needed to really pay attention. What, what are some other things that you're seeing um, organizations do uh, with so many people working remotely or working from home in terms of supporting employee wellness? Yeah, you know, I think... Um, I really think people are still trying to kind of figure that out. Like what I've been hearing lately is just the tiredness of being on Zoom or being in virtual meetings um, and people trying to figure out like, how can we minimize these or work in some other way? Um, so that's a big one. Um, and, you know, then just around people's schedules um you know they've got for for many of them um people that have kids at home so they're they're sort of they're being they're working but they're also being homes you know teachers <laughs> and so it's i think um organizations and, and individuals are trying to figure out like you know how do we create the right kind of flexibility and um, support uh, individuals that are in these, you know, different kinds of situations. Um, yeah, and I think even just thinking, you know, when do we really need a video meeting where some people need to be on the computer and when don't we? And I, I have actually gone back to um, when I'm just talking one-on-one -on -one with someone, I'm mostly making phone calls and yeah. uh, to, to just not have extra screen time um, and then, you know, you could, uh, you know, depending on the situation, take that call as a walking meeting. So that's right. one, one simple yeah, way great... that I try to, you know, incorporate that during the day. And I think also like thinking about how, how long meetings actually have to be. You know, if you schedule it for 30 minutes or an hour, 
even if it's the same topic, you'll probably, if you schedule it for 30 minutes, it will go for 30 minutes. <laughs> if you schedule it for an hour, it'll go for an hour most likely. Um, so, you know, just to be really conscious of, of why you're meeting and, you know, how much time is needed, actually needed for that. Yeah. But I yeah. also, yeah, I love the idea of the, the walking meeting. Um, I know that's not for everybody. I always, I find that a little bit of a challenge, but I've, you know, been on meetings or talking to people that, that do that. And it's, um, I think a great way to kind of break up the day. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back after this quick break. Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com slash resources. We're back on Mission Impact. So one thing that I always do at the end of um, each episode is play a little game where I ask you a random icebreaker question that comes out of my handy little box of icebreakers. Uh -oh. um, so my, <laughs> the question for you is, if you could go back in time, um, what's one thing that you would tell your teenage self? Um, I would tell my teenage self that everything will be okay. <laughs> I think that's good advice for all of us right now. You will be okay. Yeah, yeah. So what are you excited about? What's, what's coming up next for you? What's emerging in your work? Well, personally, and um, I, I didn't mention this, I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking, oh, congratulations. <laughs> looking forward to that. That's obviously on the personal side. Professionally next year, I'm, I, I mean, sort of generally, I'm, I'm just really curious and interested to see how things progress, progress in terms of the pandemic and what impact it's going to have on organizations. I mean, obviously, everything hasn't sort of played out yet in terms of do we go back to normal normal or is there some new normal or um, how is that going to impact organizations and the work they do? So I'm interested in that. And then I've been talking about a colleague about putting together you know, kind of a leadership development, leadership support slash coaching um, series, um, a cohort that we would offer together and uh, be able to incorporate health and wellness coaching into that. So we'll see. That sounds awesome. All right. So how can uh, people find out more about you and get in touch? So um, you can check out my website, peterlanecoaching.com. And then uh, my email is peter.lane100 at gmail.com. So. All right. Um, well, thank you so much. We'll, we'll put those links into the, into the show note. Folks will be able to get access to that. Great. Well, thank you, Carol. This has been a lot of fun and a great opportunity to talk about the work that I love. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you. I was struck in our conversation by how for leaders, Peter linked being intentional about self-care and their capacity to be strategic by being able to slow down and decrease their stress. It enables them to think more clearly and creatively. Too often people see self-care as being selfish in some way. Yet it may be the thing that is the greatest contribution to the mission you're working on. Staying well has been front and center for many in 2020, mostly just trying not to get sick. 
As we enter 2021, what is your vision for your health and wellness? What is your vision for the health and wellness of your family, your coworkers, your staff? What is one small thing that you can shift to create space for a healthier 2021 for yourself and those around you? Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find the links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. That's missionimpactpodcast, all one word, dot com slash show notes. Please take a minute to rate and review Mission Impact on Apple Podcasts. It help, helps other people find the podcast and we really appreciate it.